Matthew 25. We're in this series entitled The Night Shift, The Night Shift, where God begins to speak very specific things um, during the midnight hour, during the third shift hour. Listen, I have, um, if you know me at all, you know I have very um, detailed notes for me to give me trigger points and everything else, but increasingly the Lord has had me study and then just flow. So I'm just going to flow. I'm just going to go with whatever God is saying in this moment for this particular service, okay? And so Matthew chapter 25, I've subtitled this message this morning, I'll Stay Lit. Don't make me dab on you. I'll stay lit. I'll stay lit. The nighttime hour is so difficult. Let me pray. Father, I thank you now for the kind of anointing that would destroy the yoke and remove the burden. I thank you, Lord, that your word today is a sharp arrow and it will land with precision. This is not shotgun sermonizing. But today you have an assignment. There is a snipe that you're releasing the bullet from heaven to come in to destroy the mind and the work of the adversary in our lives today. So today we yield to you. We live our life surrendered to you, Holy Spirit. And we say, have your way. We're not giving you a portion of this service. We're not giving you a portion of this message. This room belongs to you. This worship belongs to you. This word belongs to you. And we, your people, belong to you. Do what you will in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 That, that third shift, that third time is a very difficult time. And most often when we deal with warfare, we're dealing with issues in our life. It is in the midnight hour. It is in this uh, dark time. It is in this dark season where we typically will fight the most. I find it interesting that we have a very difficult time staying asleep at night and staying awake during the day. Because most often, the, the toxicity of our life or the warfare of our life, it messes with us while we're laying down in a dark place. Most often, I've heard so many people say it, and even in my own life over the years, I have recognized that the greatest time for me to be yielded or surrendered to temptation is when the lights are off. I will remind you in the book of Genesis when Adam sinned, the Bible says that he sinned and, and he went and he hid himself, a picture of going into a dark place. And when God came looking for him, he, God asked him, he said, Adam, where are you? He said, I was naked, so I hid. I wanted to go into a place where God's light can't find me and cannot see me. And God's response to him was, who told you you were naked? So often we fight and it's in the midnight hour. It's in the dark place. It's in the dark season. But listen, God, the good news is he doesn't just wait until the day to do his work. He doesn't just wait until the good times to do his work. But most often God does his best work when it is at the darkest places in our lives. This is why he told us in the book of Romans that it was in his, our weakness that he would be made strong enough that he is perfected even in our weaknesses. Most often it is in that weak season, that dark season, that season that is very difficult for us that we do not find our perfection but we find his. Um, this, this, message, this message this morning in Matthew chapter 25, it centers around a conversation that Jesus is having with the people to help him, uh, them understand the principle of the kingdom. I want you to see this tonight, today, that, that this moment Jesus is telling us a story. And everything that he says to us is very significant and strategic as to what it is he's trying to communicate. 
He said, first of all, I want you to understand that the kingdom of heaven, this place where I'm from that I'm trying to get you into, it is likened ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. If you want to get a picture of the kingdom, you've got to have this mindset that there are ten virgins, look at this, that have their lamps and they went out to meet the groom. They were all ten virgins. They, they were all virgins. In, in other words, they were pure. There, there wasn't something on their life that was tainted. There wasn't some mistake that they made in the back seat of a... Come on. It, it wasn't after their senior prom. It wasn't after their homecoming dance. It, it wasn't because he was fine. It wasn't because he lifted up his shirt and he, you saw his eight-pack. They, they abstained from all of that stuff and they pushed themselves away and they kept themselves in purity. They were all pure. In other words, they all had the same experience or the lack thereof. It wasn't because some of them had this experience and some of them had this experience. No, they were all pure. They all had the same experience. Number one. Number two, they all had lamps. The lamp wasn't the qualification of their salvation. They all had lamps. They all had purity. This was not a question of their purity, and this was not a question of whether or not they were qualified by the lamp. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that his word is a lamp unto our feet, and it is a light unto our path. Just because you have this doesn't mean this has you. Just because you're carrying it, it doesn't mean it's carrying you. Just because you possess it, it doesn't mean it possesses you. Hmm. Just because you have the word, it doesn't mean you're wise. Just because you can quote the scripture doesn't mean you have wisdom. Just because you know where it is in the book doesn't mean you're wise. Uh, yeah. mm. all 10 of them were pure they had the same experience or the lack thereof all 10 of them had lamps and all 10 of them had the purpose of going to see the groom they all wanted covenant they all kept themselves for covenant's sake they all had the lamp that would create the roadmap to fulfill the mission of coming into covenant. But look at this text. Those who were, those who were foolish, they had a lamp, but they had no oil. They had this. But they didn't have what this was built for to be illuminated with. 
The, the Bible, all throughout Scripture, you will find uh, the, the person of the Holy Spirit made manifest or, or types, shadows, illustrations of, of the personhood of Holy Spirit. And one of the dimensions is some of the times it's water, sometimes it's fire, and sometimes it's also oil. We also see it as a representation of oil, or you see the anointing of God means the Holy Spirit. Our Holy Spirit has come down, and he has made manifestation in their life. Here's what he's saying. He's saying there are all ten of them had the lamp, but some of them didn't have the Holy Spirit who breathed it. They, they, they had the lamp, but it couldn't get lit. They had the lamp, but they didn't have the necessary ingredients for them to stay lit. Uh, I know, I know, I know. When I when I quoted my title, some of y'all who are a little trendy, y'all are like, "Oh Lord, he forty six. He up there talking about being Liddy." <laughs> Listen, um, long after this phrase is unpopular, I still must remain lit. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not popular for me to say I'm lit, I still have to remain lit. Because the only thing that will counteract the darkness is the thing that will remain lit. What? Watch this. But the, the wise, the wise, they took oil. Go back to the four for me. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamp. Oh, hold on now. Hold on. So, so they had the lamp and they had the oil in the lamp. But they also, this is wise people, had some reserve. They were convinced that however long it took for them to get to the groom, they were going to have as much as it took to make it all the way. They, they didn't make the determination, oh, this ought to be enough. Well, just in case this ain't enough, then I'm going to have some of this on reserve. And they thought, well, maybe it takes longer than one, so I'll just have two on reserve. Well, if I'm going to have two, I might as well have three on reserve. If I have three, well, I might as well have four on reserve. If I'm going to have four, I might as well have five. Five's the number of grace. G-R-A-C-E. I'll take it all day long. Here we go. It wasn't enough to be full with what's being consumed. But they said, I got to have enough no matter how long it takes. You don't hear what I'm saying, huh? The wife, they took their vessels and they took the lamp, but they said, I'm going to have enough in the reserve tank to make sure that I make it all the way. This is what wisdom does. Wisdom says, I'm not going to have enough just from when I think he's going to show up, but I'm going to have it. I don't care if it takes me 50 years. I don't care if it takes me 80 years. I don't care if it takes me 90 years. I'm going to make it all the way. But watch this. Because this is where most of us struggle. While the bridegroom was delayed. This is usually when we burn out. We burn out 
because we had an expectation that God would show up sooner than he did. But I want to remind you, he's not on your time, but he is an on-time God. And though he may have seemed delayed to them, he was right on the schedule that he had decreed. While the bridegroom, see, God will allow you to live in a dark season just long enough to remember he's worth the wait. Oh, if I could talk to single people. It's worth the wait. I remember this girl that I thought, oh my gosh, she the one, she the one, she the one. Uh She was one, all right. She was one. Uh huh. Hallelujah. She was one. Give her about 15 years later, and I'm like, Y'all ain't going to talk to me, are you? Uh, There was another girl. I thought, oh, my goodness, she's the one. She's the one. She's the one. Oh, she's the one. She's the one. But hear me. Beauty is fleeting. Do you hear what I'm saying today? She may have looked like the one on the outside, but there wasn't enough on the inside to make it long. So the groom delayed. And while he delayed, look at this, not only did they sleep, they also slumbered. Not only did they slumber, but they also slept. Mm. If I had time. All t- they were all pure, they all had lamps, they all had purpose, and now we see them, they all know when to rest. They all had the ability to rest even while they were on their way. Oh, God. This is the power of Sabbath. There are many of us that are always taking breaks, but we don't know how to rest. There are many of us who know how it is to turn and unplug everything, but we don't know how to rest. We don't know what it's like to enter into a Sabbath rest. And even when we're waiting on the Lord, it's our trust that God is going to bring to us whatever it is that he has for us. There are many of us know how to take the vacation, but many of us don't know how to rest. While they were resting, they were still on their way. Oh my God, I'm trying to tell somebody who's trying to hustle, trying to work themselves to death. This ain't in my notes, this is straight Holy Ghost. You're trying to hustle, you're trying to work this thing. You can be working, that's why Jesus said, I want you to labor to enter into rest. In other words, I want you to focus in on the fact that you can be grinding but resting in me. You can be working but resting in me. You can be trusting and resting in me. You don't always have to be sleeping to be resting. Resting in me. And then verse 6. They all heard the midnight cry. I'm going to do that in another sermon. Look at the text. This is Jesus talking. And he says, the bridegroom is coming. Look at the text. It was the proclamation for everybody to understand the sign of the moment. He's coming. He's coming. You can stay asleep if you want to. You can pretend it's not happening if you want to. But everything about this moment is giving you an indicator. He's on his way. Now wait on the Lord. No. Look at the text. The bridegroom is coming. Go meet him. 
In other words, while he's coming to you, you're going to him. While he's coming after you, you're coming after him. Do you understand that every step God takes closer to you is one step closer that you are to God? And if you take one step closer to God, that means you're one step closer to him. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. And if he's moving towards you and you're moving toward him, it takes less time for you to come together. If both are in pursuit. Huh. They were going to meet him not waiting for him to show up. I wonder what kind of worship you brought today. Was it a worship to wait on the Lord? Or was it a worship that says, I'm waiting on the Lord? It's the difference between being at a restaurant and having a waiter and being in the, no, no, at the foyer waiting. Okay, all right. So, look at this. They they were all pure. They were all prepared. They all had purpose. They all wanted to be with the groom. They all got the message that he was returning. They all got up to go. But, But all of this happened in the darkness. They made their commitment in the light. But they had to fulfill that commitment in the dark. It's so easy to tell God everything belongs to you when you're standing in his light. But it's another thing to still trust him where you can't see nothing about how he's going to move in your situation. They made the commitment in the light, but they had to fulfill that commitment and stay committed in the night. See, the true test of kingdom commitment is revealed by the decisions you make while you wait. You'll know how committed you are. See, God already knows how committed we are. That's why he will never put more on us than we can bear. Because he understands the level of our breaking point. But he allows us to go through the nighttime. He allows us to go into a place for a night shift because he wants you to recognize just how deeply committed you are or are not. Hmm. Because when you're, when you're in the nighttime, you'll find out just how committed you are by the decisions you make when you think nobody can see you. They all got up and they were all ready to move because he was coming. Watch this. The reason we praise is because we praise knowing what's coming. Even if we don't know what he's bringing, we still know who's coming. Okay. Verse 7, they all rose and they all got up and they all trimmed their lamps. They all trimmed their lamps. Look at that. That's what I'm talking about. They trimmed it, boy. That's how this works, right? Okay, good. They trimmed it. They trimmed it. It's good. They trimmed it. They trimmed it. Hmm. Because they knew if they were going to make it to where he was, they were going to have to have the lamp. 
isn't it interesting that it's very difficult today to find a place called the house of God with a light on? Let me say it another way. With the light on. With, with not just the light, but the light turned on. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I understand we're in this generation of all smokes and mirrors and fogs and, and all this theatrics. I'm not talking about theatrics. I'm not talking about entertainment. I'm not talking about a smoke show. But I'm talking about the daggum thing that's going to get us from where we are to where he is. And that's this thing turned on. I wonder how many of us could go to our jobs today and know that the people in our lives know this is in our life, but this is in our life and it's turned on. I wonder how many people in our neighborhood know we have this lamp, but how many of them know that we have this lamp and this lamp is turned on? on the, yeah, I understand. I understand we're in a sex-crazed society. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know we're in a sex-crazed society where we want to live turned on and we have all these things to help turn us on as it relates to our spouse or, or this person or, or this particular sex. But how many of us have the lamp? Listen, it is not your spouse that's going to help you get there. It is not your preacher that's going to help you get there. No, it is the lamp that you have and how lit it is that will determine whether you make it or not. I wonder how many of us have it and is still lit. Huh. They, they kept the light on while they were waiting, but, but now they had to keep the light for while they're moving. Okay. They, they all trimmed their lamp. Look at verse 8. And the foolish, foolish people say things like this Hey, can, can you give me some of your oil? Let, let me help you. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, it's foolish to run to another person who's trying to find me too and ask them for their oil. Can you, look at the text. Can you give me what you had to purchase? Can you just give me what I had to pay a price for? This is stop now because I'm, the older I get, the more rude I'm becoming. <laughs> but I remember early on in ministry, pe people would, uh, lead kids, and they're just, it's just immaturity, and that's fine. They went up and go, oh, oh PG, could, could you just lay your hands on me and, and, and ask God to transfer your anointing over onto my life? And I, and, and, you know, and, and I understand the intention of their heart. But you don't want to pay the price I paid. Because if you coming up here asking to get what I had to pay for free, what one time, y'all just pray for me because I'm getting older and it's getting meaner. They said, Pastor, would you just pray for me that there will be a transfer of that anointing onto my life? I said, absolutely, lift your hands. 
They lifted their hands. I put my hands on their head. Very rarely do I lay my hands on people's heads just because I just think everybody's quick to do that. When Holy Spirit speaks, that's when I do it. Put my hands on his head. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. I said, do you want the same anointing or do you want a double portion? Oh, give me a double portion. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that he would have two miscarriages. I pray that he would lose two jobs in ministry. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I pray... I pray that you would give him the double portion of all the trouble I went through. I pray that his father would have an affair on his mother two times. And all of a sudden, these hands lifted in tears and like, oh, what in the world is going on? Why? Because you cannot get for free what costs somebody else. What, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. There is a price to be paid for the oil that sits on your life. The reason I preach with the fire I preach is because of the price I had to pay for this. The reason why I do what I do is because of the price I had to pay. The reason why some of us worship the way we worship is because of the price we pay for our worship. The reason why we shout the way we shout is because of the price we pay. You can't get for free what cost you got to pay your own price. There is a price that you're going to have to pay. It is foolishness to think you get for free what should cost you. It is foolishness. To think anything beyond salvation shouldn't cost you anything. Just in case, I know, oh God, I know we have this picture of Jesus who's so pretty that even his mutilation on the cross, we look and say he was so pretty. He's telling the people. You don't get this for free. This is so rude. I mean, you have five bottles. You have five bottles. And what you're currently using. How about giving me my fair share? Yeah, I said it on purpose. When you didn't pay what I paid, nobody handed me these five bottles. I had to pay a price for all five of these bottles. And you want to walk up and didn't pay what I paid, but you want your fair share? You want your fair share? You go down to the store. And you can get everything you're willing to pay for. It is foolishness to look at what somebody else has and don't have a clue what they paid to get it. I'm going to say that to you again. It is foolishness for you to look at what somebody else has and says... I want what they got, but I'm not willing to pay the price they paid for it. 
So, here we are. We're having a little bit of a crisis. There's now drama amongst the bachelorettes. They're all ten virgins. They're going out to meet the bridegroom. Everybody waiting on the rose ceremony. There ain't no rose ceremony, y'all. The bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. I can't go. Because what I have is not enough to get me there. So why don't you give me what you paid for? Look at, look at, this is, see, we see this conversation, but we don't realize it's in the language of Jesus. Jesus is telling this story because Jesus wants you to understand his perspective. What is his perspective? It is truth. You want to know what truth is in 2022? God's opinion on any subject. That is truth. Whatever he thinks is the truth. Huh. So Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, it's foolishness for you to think I'm, you're going to give away what it costs you to earn. But look, he didn't leave them there. They didn't just say, no. No. But they didn't say yes either. Oh, giving, it would be given back. He should have given out that thing. And it should have been bountiful. Giving, it would be given back to you good measure. Yes, in some instances. But we're not talking about money. We're talking about oil. And there are some things somebody can hand you and you can receive. But there are some things you're going to have to pay the price to get yourself. Ain't your God have mercy. You hear me? You can quote scripture like me. You can preach like me. You can wear shoes like me. You can do whatever you want to. But the difference is you know and you recognize whether it has anointing on it and whether it doesn't have anointing on it. Whether it's antics or anointing, you know the difference. Because what you're really seeing is how much of a price somebody paid to have what they have. Huh. So he said to them... Um, the wise, this is, this is smart people. This is smart people. You ready? No. No. Father, that you would unlock the ministry of no in this house. That the God complexes would be removed. The Savior complexes would be removed. And we would just be who you've called us. And we would be smart enough to not give away what we're going to have to have to sustain our own walk. This is wise. No. I'm trying to help somebody in this room who says yes to everything. No. Do you need... Somebody to smack you on your hand? No. No. No, no. I am not going to risk my moment trying to minister to you and then I'd be too burnt out to make it myself. 
I'm trying to help somebody in this room. I am not going to give all of these things away to the point to where you make it and I burn out because I gave you more than you earned. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad I went away for a week? Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for that. I, let me just help you. I have people come in almost every week. They send an email or they send a message and say, Pastor, or they send into the, and they don't get my email most often, but info at judachurch.org. This is where it all goes, or trash can at judachurch.org, whichever one you want. Come in, oh, Pastor, I'm in a crisis and I, I, I need the church to help me. I need the church to give me. I need the church to, and I don't give any. Listen, can I say this the way I want to say this? I struggle with benevolence because my Bible says that a workman is worthy of his hire. So if there is a need, you know what, you know what my response is? And now I got connections, pastors, to do all the dirty work for me. But my response every single time is, you're in a crisis, no problem. We'll let you pressure wash around the church. And you can earn that. You don't have to give it. I don't have to give it. You can, you can have the honor of working to show yourself approved. You have, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. You, you want to come in? Listen, we got bathrooms that have get clogged up all the time. And if you're willing to, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. If you're willing to clean the bathrooms, if you're willing to sweep behind the kids, if you will, yeah, oh, God have mercy. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Because I want you to earn what you got. It is not well fair. No. Lest there should not be enough for us and you. But look at, the master didn't leave him there. Come on, Christian. The master didn't leave him there. He says, now, here's where I paid the price. Now you go buy for yourself. In other words, the same place that cost me is the same place you can present yourself and it will cost you, but you'll make it. He didn't leave them with no. But he did. He said, I, 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 I can't give you what may cost me my walk. But I'll show you where the source is. for where you can make your purchase to. I'm sitting here in this moment telling somebody you're at the counter. You've been wondering why you're paying the price you're paying in this season because you're at the counter. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You've been wondering why you've been going through this pain, this isolation, this conflict, this loneliness, this rejection, this thing for this long. And the Holy Spirit says, it's because you're at the counter. And this is what I require to give you your next installment of oil. The price you will pay 
is the brokenheartedness of the tears from your child in this season. But I'm about to trade. Y'all don't understand. God's big into exchanges. Hand me your ashes and I will trade you with some beauty. You got to bring me your heaviness, but I'll tra- I will exchange it for a garment of... Yeah. This loneliness, this isolation, this rejection, this, this whatever this is, that you're like, this is so unfair. God is saying, this is the payment I require for the next installment of the oil you're about to receive. here's the problem verse 10 through 12 and I'm going to end right here while they were paying the price they missed their moment I'm going to say it again this is Jesus talking It was in the dark time, but it was in the dark time that it became the right time. And here they are trying to pay the price for the second time. And they missed their covenant moment because they realized he's so close now while I pay it I'll miss him and I came to tell somebody under the sound of my voice the opportunity of a lifetime can only exist in the lifetime of that opportunity the opportunity of a lifetime only exists inside of the lifetime of that opportunity In other words, there are some moments you will miss if you allow yourself to miss that moment. When the fools realized they missed their moment, look at what Jesus said. I don't even know you. You know the guy, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. You know the guy that when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When the door shut, he's like, I don't even know you. It was only open for a moment. And because they tried to do the cheap circumventing of the, of the system. They missed their moment, hear me, because they weren't willing to pay the price the first time. Huh. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. What if for 80 years you have no spouse so that for all eternity you can be with the groom. Will you pay the price? 
or will you live at plentyoffish.com? That's a real website, by the way. What if the requirement for God is purity for 80 years so that you can live in covenant bliss for a millennium? What if the requirement from God is that on this earth you are the least of these so that there you can be celebrated with great crowns, with great jewels? What if your 85-year sacrifice here is the requirement for a mansion up there? The opportunity of a lifetime only exists while the door is still open. Father, thank you for this word today. I thank you for the oil to last that we may remain lit. I thank you today, uh uh-huh, I thank you Holy Spirit today that the term burnout is not our portion. I thank you Lord that burnout is not our portion. Oh God, I thank you that burnout is not our portion. We will stay lit. Today you're in this room, jump up on your feet and lift your hands all over this room. All over this room. Holy Spirit, I ask for the fire of God to ignite the word of God in our lives again. Lord, light the lamp in our hearts. Let it be like fire shut up in our bones. Let our hearts burn within us while you break open the word again. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would ignite a flame that not time, not pain, not cost would weary. Not pain, not cost would wound. Not payment, not, no, God have mercy. I thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that in this season of loss, in this season of sacrifice, you are turning it for our good. Fire of God fall in this place. Fire of God fall on those hands. Fire of God fall in those hearts. Fire of God burn within us, oh God. Burn within us, oh God. Oh, that you would set a fire. Oh, that you would set a fire. Set us ablaze. Set us ablaze, oh God. We want a bird for you. We want a bird. We want a bird. We want a bird. Oh, come on, this. Set a fire. We set a fire. Set a fire.